Fantastic. Hey, it's great to see you this morning and uh, to be continuing on with our Vision Month. And uh, I'm excited about what God is wanting to do through this month. Today, I thought we would just share on that statement on the wall. I hope you've noticed it. Uh, (laughs) Know God, become like Jesus, make a difference. It's been there for a long, long time in our church, not necessarily on the wall, but in our church, that has been our vision statement for a long time. So I want to share with you this morning on that statement. By the way, have you noticed these black panels on the wall? Well, they're not black, I've been told. They're charcoal. (laughs) Slightly different. But uh, they are acoustic panels, and you've probably already noticed the difference in the sound. Um, It's a very, very noticeable difference in the sound, the acoustics of the hall. I just want to acknowledge Joel, who put all those together, made them all. Worked very, very hard to uh, get all those put together and uh, bought all the insulation materials, etc. So, good job, Joel. Well done. On March the 25th, 2007, I spoke my first message here in the church as senior pastor. I had been invited a few times beforehand to come and preach, uh, but the 25th of March, 2007, was my first. Sunday as senior pastor of this church that was then called Arendelle Christian Centre. Just out of interest, was anyone there on the 25th of March? Look at that, great, fantastic. We managed to keep some of them. That's awesome. It's great, wonderful. I uh, thank you guys for your steadfastness over the years and we've seen a lot of things happen in that time. My message at that time was called The Vision Continues. The Vision Continues. Why did I call it that? Well, I thought this. I thought, who was I to replace the vision that had been entrusted to the pioneers of this church by God? Who was I to replace that? It was simply my responsibility to continue the vision that God had put upon the pioneers of this church. And so I took all the words of the various statements and paragraphs that had been given to me. I asked for, for, for all, the, all the statements that had been put together by pastors in the past and I took hold of those statements to make one succinct statement. At that time it was this, to experience God's presence, to imitate Christ and to impact our World. And later on, we felt to just simplify it, to make it a little less Christianese. And so it simply became known as know God, become like Jesus and make a difference. When you think about it, it's one of those statements that can cover just about everything in the Christian faith. It can cover just about everything. And so with that statement comes a set of values that help us define that statement. These values don't just explain our vision, but they also define who we are as a church. And we're going to share those with you this morning. They help set the culture and the practice of who we are. That's really important that we know who we are. It's important to know what your church stands for. Is that true? Great. It's good. You're really quiet this morning. 
It's important to know what we stand for. So many churches have this broad, all-encompassing statement, which is fantastic, and they seek to follow that. But unless there are specific purpose to that vision defined, you can actually lose your focus along the way and you can start to feel that you're just perpetually circumnavigating God's plan for who you are as a church. And it's almost like you can allow the situation of what you're going through to determine the direction. And we don't want to live like that. We don't want to live like, 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 like the, the situation determining what our focus is. Well, all of a sudden this happens in church and therefore, well, that must be God's leading. Well, not necessarily. And so we want to be focused and determined on what God wants us to do. Craig Groeschel, who's uh, pastor of the largest church in the United States of America, this is what he says. He says, a church can't do everything. Oh, I know that's true. It needs to define its it. Some churches have it, some churches don't have it, but you need to know what it is. That's what Craig Rochelle says, and I couldn't have put it it better myself. And so this morning we're going to define our it. We're going to talk about our it. What is our it, a capital edge church? Well, let's look at the first phrase of that statement, no God, to know God. Knowing God is simply to enter into an abiding, ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ. It's all about relationship. And our key scripture, or one of the key scriptures we refer to when we talk about knowing God, is John 15 5, which says this Jesus speaking says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. It's talking about remaining in him. It's talking about abiding in the vine. To know God is simply to remain in him. And I've got to say, this scripture infers this, that if he isn't a constant in our life, then we will struggle to produce lasting fruit. Anything of value. Fruit actually develops from a bud, then to a flower, and then to the reproductory system or bulb of that flower, and finally, fruit. Well, this is what I've seen over the the years. I've seen Christian buds that start as the part, and I've seen Christian flowers that look the part and I've seen Christian bulbs that act the part but unless they remain in Christ, unless they produce fruit, they never become a part. You know, Jesus said some really interesting words in Matthew 7. It's a really challenging passage but Jesus said this, he said, one day some followers will come to him and they will say these words. They will say, well, listen, we actually did miracles in your name. We actually cast out demons in your name, Jesus. You know what else we did, Jesus? We prophesied in your name. Now, let's just hold it there for a second. That, to me, sounds like heavy-duty spirituality. Cast out demons, miracles, 
prophecies in the name of Jesus. But then he turns around and says this. He says, but I will reply, I don't know you. Wow. It sort of scares me a bit. You can do all those wonderful things. You can do all those wonderful ministries. You can prophesy. You can do miracles. You can cast out demons. And Jesus says, I don't know you. How does that work? And then it goes on, and this explains it, because the fruit that they chose to produce wasn't the authorised fruit that he'd purposed them to do. That's what he says. It wasn't authorised works. Rather than remaining in him to produce, they strayed into their own desires. They stopped being in Christ and started just doing things for him. That can be such a danger. It can be such a danger when we stop being and just focus on doing. Because first and foremost, we are to be. We are to be in him. When it comes to knowing God, being is always more important than doing. Being in him. I don't know about you, but... I want to remain in him so that I produce good fruit. I want to remain in him. And how do we do that? What are some of the values of this church that help us remain to produce good fruit, to actually know God? Well, I think the first value is this, encounter. Encounter. Encounter God's presence. Encountering his presence through Holy Spirit-led services. Worshipping the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. I love that. We experience beautiful worship this morning. Let, let me read to you Psalm 96 verse 1 to 10 from the message. I just love the way it puts this. Uh, just, just wanting to, to, for you to get a picture here. It says, sing God a brand new song. Earth. And everyone in it sing, sing to God, worship God. Shout the news of his victory from sea to sea. Take the news of his glory to the lost, news of his wonders to one and all. For God is great and worthy of a thousand hallelujahs. Can I hear one hallelujah? That's great. That was more. That was awesome. His furious beauty puts the other gods to shame. Pagan gods are mere tatters and rags. God made the heavens. Royal splendor radiates from him. A powerful beauty sets him apart. Bravo, God. Bravo. Everyone join in the great shout. Encore. In awe before the beauty, in awe before the might. Bring gifts and celebrate. Bow before the beauty of God. Then to your knees, everyone worship. Get out the message. God rules. He put the world on a firm foundation. He treats everyone fair and square. God is good. Now, the reason I wanted to read that particular version to you is this. When we read it, it doesn't sound like we can sit back and just spectate. It doesn't sound like we can do that. No, to encounter God, we participate with all of heaven. We participate with all of earth, with the wonders of his glory. When we encounter God like this, it doesn't really leave room to scroll through our messages while the music's on. 
Gee, it's quiet. Friends, to know God is to encounter God, is to worship God. To worship him in the beauty of his holiness. Let's worship the Lord. Let's not be spectators. Let's be people who are invested. Let's be people who come to church each and every morning and we say, we're going to meet with God today. We're going to talk with God. We're going to praise his name. I'm going to sing with everything I've got. I'm going to worship him because he is worthy to be praised. And in so doing, I'm going to draw closer to him. I'm going to get to know him more. I'm going to encounter his presence in my life. The next value for knowing God is simply this, devotion. Devotion. We know God when we develop a daily practice of prayer and reading his word. That's how he reveals himself to us, through his word, through spending time with him in prayer. Why is it that Pastor Allen... Why is it that he goes on and on and on about the one-year Bible? (laughs) I'll tell you why. And I'm hoping I'm not putting words in your mouth, Pastor Alan. He knows that's how you know. Now you know. (laughs) He knows that's how you know. You actually know God through his word and spending time and allowing the word to illuminate to your heart, things that are there from that special revelation of God and spending time with him in prayer and in meditation to know God. The next part of our phrase is become like Jesus. What does that mean, becoming like Jesus? It means growing to a level of maturity in our faith where our thoughts, our words and our actions reflect Jesus Christ. And you know, it's simply about discipleship. About discipleship. Ephesians 4.15 is a key scripture to us, says this, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. I want to grow more and more like Jesus. You know, one of the major litmus tests for evaluating how much like Jesus we are is this. Do we speak the truth in love? That passage says it. Do we speak the truth in love or do we just speak truth? Or do we just speak love that sometimes compromises the truth? We've got to speak the truth in love. How do we become like Jesus? How do we learn to speak truth in love? What values of this church help us do that? Well, the first value for that is discipleship. Discipleship, what is that? It's it's Bible-based teaching and preaching with practical application. Growing to maturity through various pathways or journeys in God. People will tell you that I'm incredibly passionate about discipleship. About discipleship. Why am I so passionate about discipleship? Because over the years I've seen too many shallow soil 
Christians make a decision that's just based on fix me Jesus. Based on fix me Jesus and then when Jesus does fix their situation or alternately when some crisis comes along in their life, they get uprooted because their roots of maturity don't go deep enough. That's why I believe in discipleship. Around here you'll hear the word pathways quite a lot. Pathways to knowing Jesus, which is our starting out on our journey of faith. And that includes the Alpha Course, which is such a wonderful program. Pathways Connect, we mentioned that this morning, which is growing through our discussions in our relationships at a Connect Group level. Let me encourage you, if you do not go to a Connect Group, consider going to one in 2024. Get involved in a Connect Group. Pathways Next Steps you'll hear about. That's learning who the church is and, and, and what we do and what we're called to do and the way that we can serve. And there's a Pathways Next Steps coming up on Monday, May the 6th. There'll be more information about that. Then there's Pathways to Maturity, which is maturing in the foundations of daily discipleship. Then there's Pathways Through the Word. Some of you might have done pathways through the word, growing in our knowledge and our understanding of the word of God. This year, pathways through the word, which happens on a Sunday night, we'll be looking at the books of Romans, Daniel and James. That's exciting. Pathways leadership is growing to become influencers of all those that are around us. So that starts this Monday. It's, it's a monthly thing with myself. Starts tomorrow night, 630 don't forget to register. Jackson, great ad. Well done. Don't forget to register if you'd like to come along. We need you to register for that so that we've got the right amount of notes for you. So discipleship is one of the values of becoming like Jesus. Another value is this, and this is something we're going to be addressing quite a lot this year, authenticity. Authenticity, just living the Christ-centred experience, keeping it real, walking the walk and talking the talk, learning to live the spirit-filled, spirit-directed life. See, I'm of a firm belief that when you live the spirit-filled life, it doesn't need to look weird. It doesn't need to look strange. I believe that with the spirit-filled life, there is an authenticity about it. There is something so real about it. There's a sense of Jesus being at work in someone's life and, and, and working in them and through them. I was talking with a family not that long ago and, and they were just explaining that God had been speaking to them and directing them by the Holy Spirit and, and, and there was this new exciting experience that was coming their way and they were just starting to step out into that. Just starting to step out into that experience and I couldn't help but thinking, well, there it is. There is authentic following Jesus. Hearing his voice, going through that process of learning his whisper, learning his voice and then stepping out in faith, believing God that he was going to open something that no man could share. Our last statement there is make a difference. Make a difference. 
the way we make a difference is to fulfill Jesus' command. Matthew 28, we're told what that is. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Notice it says disciples. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even until the end of the age. Then in Mark 16, which is a parallel scripture, says it slightly different. It says, go and preach the gospel. So on the one hand, we see that it says, go and make disciples. On the other hand, it says, go and preach the gospel. The church's mandate worldwide is twofold. It is to gather and it is to scatter. It is to make disciples and it is to save souls. I want you to notice something here. I'm sure I'm preaching to the converted. I'm sure I'm speaking to people who have heard it before. But notice the Great Commission is a command. Go. It's not the great suggestion. If you have the time. If you feel bold enough. If you think you're one of those unique people that have this gift of evangelism, then you're the ones. No, no, it's saying this to all of us at large, go and make, go and tell. So how do we fulfil the Great Commission? How do we make a difference in our world? What are two values of this church that support that? Well, the first, of course, is mission. Mission. Our mission starts in our direct sphere of influence, our community around us. It starts by telling our neighbours about Jesus. It starts at work. It starts at our schools and universities, telling our friends about Jesus. You see, mission isn't just across the seas, it's across the road. It doesn't mean that, oh, well, if I'm just kind and generous and compassionate, then people will know about Jesus. Now, what it means is that we share the motivation behind those things that are operating in our life. See, here's the fact. The local member of the Lions Rotary Club is no doubt kind. After all, he cooks sausages on Australia Day for masses of people. He's kind. But friends, our kindness, it flows from our gratitude for all that Jesus has done in our life. It is a fruit of the Spirit outworked within us. The fact is this, the business owner across the street may be generous, but our generosity is motivated by the overwhelming, abundant salvation that we have received through Christ Jesus. The fact is actually this, that the atheist living two houses down could be a compassionate humanitarian. But our compassion has expression because of the love of Jesus in our heart. We coined a a term a couple of weeks ago. Hamish has taken ownership of it. 
but I think he did say it originally. Osmosis evangelism. Osmosis evangelism, that's where we think that we're affecting everyone around us for Jesus simply by us being there. And I've got to say, friends, it doesn't work. You see, we must share our faith. We must share our faith in a very real, down-to-earth, authentic way, keeping it real. Before Jesus Christ, my life was like this. And then I accepted Jesus as Lord and Saviour. And now this is the difference that He has made in my life. It's that simple. In fact, why don't you, why don't I pick you up for church? Why don't I bring you along to my church so that you can actually hear the same message that changed my life? You see, if we don't learn to share our faith with boldness, a boldness that the Holy Spirit gives us, by the way, then the Great Commission will soon become the Great Omission. The last value for making a difference is family. Family. You see, family is the cellular level of influence that multiplies the difference that we make. See, the church is really powerful. And the reason the church is powerful is because it is the family of God. It is the family of God. That means that as we learn to function together in unity, our ability to make a difference for Jesus in this world actually multiplies exponentially. You know, one of the concerns I have with family today is that the world actually defines family in terms of dysfunctionality. I was watching a program the other day on TV and these journalists, I lose that, use that word loosely, journalists, they were talking about family and they were talking about its impact on society. And they were basically saying this, that family is not normal unless it's abnormal. But just imagine, friends, just imagine in a world where dysfunctional is defining that the church actually rises up. The church, the family of God, and it models unity and it models acceptance and it models belonging and respectful, desired relationship. Wow, what a difference that would make. Wanting to actually spend regular time together. I think if the church was actually like that, if the church was seen as the family of God, I think people would say, that's what I'm longing for. That's what I'm, I've always wanted. That's what I'm believing for. And there must be, therefore, something in this relationship with Jesus that they keep talking about. To know God through encounter and devotion. To become like Jesus through discipleship and authenticity. To make a difference through our mission 
and our example of family. You see, that kind of vision, that kind of vision, if we can follow through on that kind of vision, we can't help but extend God's kingdom. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just shared a very, very simple, structured message this morning on our our vision statement. But I'm just praying that it will stir our hearts. That once again we'll be reminded, Lord, this is the purpose of why you've put us here. Lord, we want to know God more. We want to become more and more like Jesus. And we want to make a difference in our world for you. So Lord, I pray this morning that you will just embed the truth of that to our hearts. Lord, that you will just do something fresh within us. Lord, that we will be your church who respond to the commission that you've given us. Lord, that we will be a church that takes hold of what you've purposed us to do, Lord, so that we can make a difference in our world. Lord, we want to be a church that sees souls saved, see people taken out of darkness and brought into your glorious light. We want to see lives transformed by the Holy Spirit's power. We want to see Christians rise up and be such an example of Jesus that the world finds it so attractive and just wants to know more. And God, we want to know you more. We want to know you more. We want to encounter you. Lord, we don't just want to come to a a meeting on a Sunday and and go through the routines. Lord, we want to encounter you. We want to worship you. We want to lift high your name. We want to exalt you, Jesus. So Lord Jesus, let us be your hands and feet. Let us be your body at work. We ask in your precious name. Amen.